Welcome to the 88th episode of the Loose Threads podcast, a show about the rapidly changing consumer economy. This episode is brought to you by Loose Threads membership, which gives you actionable analysis, insights and events that drive growth, and Loose Threads Espresso for Teams, your energizing and high-pressure filter for consumer news and context. We also have a newsletter that features our latest analysis of the consumer economy. Check it all out at loosethreads.com. Joining me today is Rachel Silver, the founder of Love Stories TV, a platform that showcases wedding videos and the filmmakers, venues, and vendors that make them possible. Rachel started the company after realizing the mistake she made for going to video for her own wedding, learning that videos can convey information and meaning that photos can't. What we were trying to do is bring together like the visual inspiration of Pinterest, the power of video that existed on Vimeo with like an organizational structure. Since then, Love Stories TV has blossomed into a platform with thousands of videos and vendors who are defining how weddings are filmed and planned. Here's my talk with Rachel Silver. So why don't we start, I guess, just talk a bit about your background, then yeah. we can work our way up to this company existing. I actually studied in undergrad international affairs, conflict resolution, and civil society development at Michigan State University. And then I got my master's at the American University of Paris, also studying international affairs. And that is really interesting to study in school. But if you don't want to work at a nonprofit, difficult to parlay into a career, actually, which is another plug. I always tell people, like, don't go to grad school right after undergrad. Wait, whatever. <laughs> Turned out fine. So I did not want to work at a nonprofit or at the UN or whatever. So I moved to New York and just started looking for jobs. And I applied on Media Bistro and ended up at Howcast Media. And so Howcast Media was a startup founded by several early Googlers who had worked on the YouTube acquisition mm. and had realized that how-to videos were going to be like the thing. And they started a media company for how-to videos. And Howcast now has the biggest how-to channel on YouTube. Still, their content's still wildly popular. The company has since sort of folded several of their competitors were acquired not them but they were totally right on the idea and they still generate I think a lot of revenue from mm. YouTube ads because their content is like evergreen and whatever so that's how I sort of got into media and then from Howcast went to Birchbox and I joined Birchbox super early I think I was maybe like the 30th employee or something and they had just had their one-year anniversary and I was the first person hired to do social at Birchbox and then my experience at Birchbox sort of led me to my sort of aha moment about starting Love Stories TV, which is the startup I founded two years ago. And we are a platform and community that connects brides and grooms to be with the products, services, ideas, and inspiration they need for their wedding. So I guess what was like the original inkling of the idea, like the first time you remember thinking about this and sure. it's Ross kind of incarnation? Yeah, well, it really came from Birchbox. So, you know, there were two things that really kept me up at night which sounds cliche, but it's true. When you're at like a small like rocket ship startup, it's like that's what you're thinking about all the time. And it's fun, you know, like all my best friends work there and they're still my best friends. One is that there's so much repetition in content. So you think about we were in the beauty space, like we wanted to sell an eyeliner. So we wanted to do a smoky eye tutorial. There are 2,000 smoky eye tutorials on YouTube. And it's like, I don't want to make another one. There are a bunch of really good ones out there, you know? And it's like, what makes one really good? I'm using air quotes that you can't see because you're listening. It's either like, you just like the personality of the person. Rihanna just did a makeup tutorial for Vogue. It's the best thing I've ever seen because Rihanna's personality is amazing and her makeup skills are fine, you know? Or because some like crazy, amazing makeup artist like shows you a trick that you really get. But even still, there's 2,000. I mean, that's wild. So repetition of content was something that really bummed me out. 
And then there's this other thing where it's like what consumers want to consume and watch and what gets them to shop and what brands want are sometimes really far apart. And I think in 2018 they're closer together than they were like in 2012 and 2014. But it's like brands particularly at that time wanted like people to hit the talking points and for things to be really glossy and really polished and they usually wanted like in the case of beauty like a makeup artist who again like that doesn't mean you're good on camera you know and consumers want like someone in their bedroom who's like funny and fun or like Rihanna so we were always thinking about that like how do we deal with like the duplicativeness of all this content are there ways to aggregate and curate and like how do we make brands happy and our users happy and I think that's where Birchbox really did a great job is like we sort of made our staff talent so I was thinking about those two things all the time and then I got married in 2013 and I had like nothing to do with my own wedding like I didn't go to my wedding venue to the day I got married I didn't hire any of my vendors my mother did the whole thing and we had a big fancy wedding but my mom and my grandma are great at that and I was busy in New York and whatever I didn't have a wedding video I didn't hire a videographer because when my mother asked me about it I was sort of picturing like wedding videographers like 10 or 15 years ago it's usually like a man and they used to have like a giant camera on their shoulder and they'd shine a bright light in your face like on the dance floor like a shoulder rig (laughs) exactly and they'd be like Richie like tell the beautiful couple something and you're drunk and you're like (laughs) I love you so much like you know so I was like no we don't need it and then the day after my wedding you know my family did this like wild flash mob which was like amazing and I was like I can't believe we didn't have someone capture this like what was I thinking like even if it was cheesy like what's wrong with me I really regretted it. So then I just started paying closer attention to wedding videos when I would see them like on Facebook of my friends or people in my sorority. And as I started watching them, I was like, this is the best content I've ever seen. Like this is not what I remembered. Like these look like feature film trailers. You know, it's like real people, real stories, professional production. These are just fun to watch. This feels like reality TV. And like these look like commercials for the products and services. So if you are the venue or the florist or the dress designer or the suit retailer or the makeup artist, like there's no better way to show off your products and services than these videos. And that really clicked for me, you know, and it sort of solved those two problems that I was telling you about before, which is like every wedding video is different. It's a different wedding. It's a different couple. And it's real people, real stories, but professional production, which really only exists in this category of content. And so we built, my husband and I built a super simple WordPress site with a Google form where people would like tell us the details of their wedding and just put in like the Vimeo URL and we'd publish them on our site and it just started taking off. Hmm. And that's how it got started. You didn't think you should do the wedding over again? Yeah, film it. Now like I'm like part of this amazing community and I've gotten to know all these people and they're always like, do you want to renew your vows? (laughs) And the thing is... We like weirdly don't because we like don't want to put that on video, but everything else. Yeah. Like the rest, I want to see everyone else. I want to hear my dad's speech back to us and like the toasts and like see the flash mob. Like, yeah. So I really regret it. It was a big mistake. (laughs) (laughs) But it fueled this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, a mistake that led to something great. I'm trying to prevent, if nothing else comes of this, I hope other people hire a wedding videographer. (laughs) awesome so okay so it starts as a google form yeah yeah people start submitting yeah is it friends and family submitting or like how um yeah when is this too so this was october 2016 so i emailed everyone we knew but then they would email everyone they know i mean so a couple things clicked for me one sort of the story i told you before and two i was like it's crazy that these filmmakers are out there producing this like amazing work and when I started researching it so wedding filmmakers get paid about two-thirds of what photographers get paid which Hmm. is crazy because they're shooting for at least the same amount of time if not more they have more equipment and they're editing for way longer they should be getting paid more not two-thirds of so that like I was like 
bring justice to the wedding videographers. <laughs> like, what are like actual numbers of um, generally for a wedding? Okay, so wedding, video? wedding wire in the knot, and brides publish these like average wedding costs, which I have a huge problem with actually because. To average across a state is really crazy because buckets are actually a better way to think about it because there are some people that charge $1,500. They shouldn't, but they do. And there's people who charge $15,000. So if you average those, you end up with something that like is not necessarily the number people are paying, which is why I think averages is like a bad idea in this business. But the way we like do it on the site is we sort of are like, if you're just getting started, people are charging $2,500 or less, which they shouldn't be. But when you get started, like you're getting started. And then there's a lot of people in like the five, six, seven package. And then there's, you know, sort of like the VIPs of the industry who are like won't do a wedding for less than ten dollars or $15,000. And it obviously varies by state by state. And also now the packages are becoming more diverse. So now people are having wedding engagement videos just like they have engagement photos, which is a really interesting trend. Are they shot landscape or portrait? They're still shot landscape wide because that's like what people expect even us we use jw player on our site like that's the shape of the player but the day that igtv launched and we emailed all our filmmakers and we were like we will for the next several days publish every vertical video you send us it was like one of our best video acquisition days ever because they're digital storytellers and they really get it and they really understand how much better a vertical video looks on your phone and for us like 90 percent of our traffic comes from mobile we're always encouraging them and we sort of try to prioritize in our feature process mm. people who do the vertical cuts and actually a wedding's a really interesting thing for a vertical cut because if you think about wedding vows like right. you are standing it's two yeah, people yeah. standing next to yeah. each other you know it's harder when you want to show like the sweeping ceremony but there are moments of a wedding which are actually uniquely suited for, mm-hmm. for vertical so it's yeah. fun we're doing a lot of innovative stuff on snap and instagram because of the nature of the content so very cool yeah. sorry i cut you off from, no no i did the google form people started sending oh, to their friends okay so one we discovered that like 20 percent of our audience is under 24 hmm. okay and even in the state with the youngest bride, which is Alabama, and she's 26, the youngest average bride in Alabama. And across the United States, she's 29. So if you are under 24, there's a high likelihood you are not engaged to be married. You don't have an engagement ring on. And women just watch these videos mm-hmm. for fun. And that's something when I was still at Birchbox and I started researching the business idea, all the young women at Birchbox were like, oh, yeah, like when we get home from the bar at night, we watch wedding videos with our friends or like in the sorority house, we used to do it. And then I would be like, well, where did you find the videos? And they were always like, well, I don't really know. I can't remember. Or I just find one like filmmakers were putting all their content on Vimeo. They've been moving away from it now. They don't really need it. Like now a lot of them just store all their videos with us. Right, because Vimeo was the like professional It was YouTube. like the professional YouTube, but the average person doesn't even know right. that Vimeo exists. So that was really interesting. So the way it started taking off is like there's a flywheel effect of this business, which I guess lots of people say, but it's true for us. So two groups of people can submit a video on Love Story TV, either the newlywed couple or the videographer. And when they submit the video, they tell us, all the vendors who worked on the wedding and if they're the newlyweds they give us the videographers information and vice versa so then we can email all those people and say hey a wedding that features your work or a wedding that you shot or a what we- your wedding has been featured on love story tv and then they learn about us and then they tell people and if they're a vendor they go tell the videographers they work with hey y'all should put your work on here because it helps us all grow and the brides just get excited and tell their friends so like we really quickly branched out to groups of people we didn't know although i will say Michigan is one of our biggest represented states in terms of video library. And I think that's because we're like from there. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like what you would expect, you know, New York, California, Texas. And so was the idea when you had the Google form to literally tag all the vendors and so forth or? Yeah, that's how it works. And so it's so nice is we don't produce any content, really. We're starting to do a little bit of original, but mostly we don't produce content and we don't 
tag the content, the contributor does. And so then it just auto tags. From when it was just a Google form, yep. that was still the Yeah, the exactly, exactly. That was the idea right from the start is that people would want to watch these videos just for fun. And we do want to just bring some attention to this wedding filmmaking industry because we think it's like underrepresented. And, you know, it's really been underserved. And that's something I think when you start a business, when you really get like lightning in a bottle is when you – find a small community of people for whom what you're doing really resonates and that's like what you need to get started. Birchbox is another great example of this like Birchbox became successful originally because of YouTube because beauty YouTubers needed to create content every day and a great way to have a guaranteed awesome video every month is to unbox a Birchbox and so we were serving this small community and they helped us grow and that same thing with wedding filmmakers when we started this business we started hearing from them they're like We've been dying for someone to do this. Like we're so underrespected. Like we're underpaid in our industry. We're like the last people to get hired. We're always like the first people to get cut from a budget. The other big players in the space like Style Me Pretty will feature a wedding and list that there was a videographer and not highlight the video, you know. And so they were so excited. So they helped us grow. And I think if you can find that, you know, we didn't even really know that when we started how underserved they were Mm -hmm. and how left out of the ecosystem they were. Were you still at Birchbox when you started it or was it you were going to go do this full time? No, I started on the side like I didn't really know what it would be. And I just sort of started on the side and I told the Birchbox founders, both of whom are now investors in Love Story CB, I was like, I'm just like going to try this thing. And I remember Katya was like, is there some way this could be part of Birchbox? Like, does this mean you're going to like leave one day? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I guess that would be a great problem to have if I had to leave a place I loved because this Mm -hmm. little idea I had like turned into something. So... The inkling was in October 2016 that you started the forum. October 2015. Oh, 15. I think okay. we've really started maybe working on it. I think it was like the winter of 2015, early 2016 that we sort of just put it out there to see what was what. And then October 2016, I was no longer at Birchbox and hired someone. Gotcha. Yeah. How long yeah. did it take you to know that it was going to actually work? I guess I think the first submission we got was like in October 2015. And I think I told Katya I was going to go do this like in maybe like January or February. So I guess, what's that, like six months months, or something? Yeah. My husband is a data scientist. And so really early on, I mean, he has a full-time job, but we don't have any kids. We don't have any pets. Like this is his like uh, free time is spent helping me. His eyeballs kind of lit up when he started thinking Mm. about it. Like the data is really, really powerful thing because that's what's broken. Pinterest is somewhere people go to plan a wedding or other life events, by the way. And... You might see like something really beautiful, but it's a mess. It's not organized. You know what I mean? So what we were trying to do is bring together like the visual inspiration of Pinterest, the power of video that existed on Vimeo with like an organizational structure. And a lot of times I tell people we're starting house for weddings. House is, I think, like the best example of a platform plus community plus visual content that really like works Mm -hmm. there's like just enough curation there's like just enough rules it's just like niche enough so um you can find what you're looking for whether it's a product or a service and that's really what we're also you know doing so all right so you're now working full-time in kind of early 2016 yeah what's like the list of priorities of where you start to spend your time we did a fundraise which is like ends up being a full-time job We hired someone who was a previous colleague of mine at Birchbox. She had since left. Didn't steal anyone. This is like a good lesson, I think, in starting a business. I was like saying to my husband, I was like, who am I going to hire? Like all the good people I've ever worked with work at Birchbox. And I'm like, not going to steal anyone. Like I'm not going to do that. I mean, it's presumptuous for me to think they would even come. But like I wasn't going to try. 
And he was like, well, what about Vanessa? Because she had worked with us at Birchbox and left to move back to Chicago. And I was like, well, she lives in Chicago. And he was like, if she's the best, she's the best. Like, who cares? That was like the best decision I could have made. Like, the best people are the best people, no matter where they are, I think. So we hired Vanessa. And then the priority was just to really get in with the wedding filmmaker community. It was really clear to us from the very beginning. You know, it's like they own the content. It's theirs. This whole thing only works if we're helping them book more weddings. And that's really the foundation of the business. And they don't pay us. Other people pay us. Other wedding vendors and wedding brands pay us to have the content that features them promote their products and services. But the whole bottom would fall out if filmmakers didn't love what we were doing and didn't feel that we were booking them more business. So that's always like our North Star. Like we've hosted two annual wedding film awards, which mm. are like the Oscars of wedding videos. And this most recent year, we teamed up with B&H Photo and did this like whole big event. The and filmmakers, place. It's like Disneyland. <laughs> and that's like our North Star. And it always sort of has yep. been. Yeah. Why not wedding photos? Because other people are doing it, one. And two, like photos don't show what I think are the best part of the weddings. Like the speeches and mm. the vows and like the dancing and like the emotions. Like that's the most important part of a wedding. A wedding just happens to be a wedding. It's really just like a moment in time where all the people you love the most are together having fun any way you can capture that I think is really important and I think that what videos do is they do show you the dress and they show you the tablescapes but like they also bring in the speeches and the vows and like sort of the important part of a wedding and photos like only sort of show you that surface part you know it's like a photo of a bouquet is really just a photo of a bouquet. But like a scene of the bouquet being held, you know, when your dad sees you for the first time in your wedding dress and like what he says is like powerful. And I feel like we're promoting like the commercial, but also like the real important part mm -hmm. of weddings. And I think photos can quickly devolve into just like photos on Pinterest and you don't know who the person was or where it took place or how right. did they meet. Like when people submit their wedding video, they tell us like how they met and how they fell in love and like, they tell us that in the copy, but it also is in the video. Like these videographers, these filmmakers tell stories. Like I just sent on a newsletter last night to our wedding filmmaking community and I always like pick one wedding filmmaker to highlight. And the one I was last night is this filmmaker from Chicago called Leap Weddings. And the recent video of his that caught my attention is the video, it's like a cold open into a groom being interviewed by the videographer. And the videographer is like, so word on the street is like there's a discrepancy between you and your wife about how you first met. And he like turns right red and starts laughing and starts to tell the story of how they met. And like, that's cool. Yeah. And then it leads into the beautiful like epic venue and no, no, no. But like only video can do that. Right. You know? Well, how does length work with these? So if you hire a filmmaker to do your wedding, you usually have a package. And typically the package will have like a documentary edit, which could be anywhere from like 30 to 40 minutes. And so it's, it's like long. long. Okay. We have some of those on the site. Okay. But they also usually deliver you like a highlight, mm. which is between like three to seven minutes. That's what most of the videos on our site are. And then because these filmmakers are smart, they'll usually deliver even before that like a one minute trailer just to like get you excited. And then you share it with all your family and friends on Facebook and now on Love Stories TV and whatever. And sometimes that one minute highlight now will be like vertical for Instagram. Mm. So they're usually delivering you like three things at the end of the day. And now some people are doing engagement videos, which is really just like engagement photos. And sometimes they're used as like a save the date. And more and more people are hiring professionals for their proposals too. Interesting. So, yeah. Were there any concerns about privacy? So we have a pretty strict policy. So first of all, the only people who can submit the videos are the videographer or the couple. So if you're a venue and you like know that there's videos that took place at your venue like you can't submit them because every contract's different and it's on you to like when you sign our terms of use like you're telling us that you have the right to sit this video but 
most contracts say the photographer or the videographer owns the work, which people don't always realize. Mm -hmm. Like you don't own your wedding video or photos unless you negotiate that up front. And usually people for whom it's important do negotiate it up front. And sometimes they have to like pay more for that because the filmmaker might be like, I need your video to like book more work. So 70% of our films come in from filmmakers and about 30% come in from brides and grooms. And maybe one day that will sort of switch. But filmmakers don't submit videos if they know the couple wouldn't like it. And they know the couples of theirs that wouldn't like it because the couple's already made that clear to Mm -hmm. them like in the beginning of the process. So there's really only been like one or two times ever I can think of where we've heard someone and they're like, can you please take the video down? And we just take it down. And we don't ask any other questions. And we just really try to be so respectful. And I've always been really surprised like there's this wedding video I can think of that won in our awards this year and the groom has since passed away. They wanted us to feature it more afterward. Mm-hmm. It's just such like a beautiful celebration of life, a wedding video. And so they actually were like happy to have the story continue to be told, which I thought was really interesting. So there is one really funny thing that like I like to tell this story because I actually think it shows off our business, which is like <laughs> this groom emailed me and he was like, our wedding video is on your site. And it took place at like my parents-in-law's farm. Mm-hmm. And someone like showed up at the farm the other day to research it for their own wedding because they saw it on your site, which like congrats to you that your website's working. But like my parents-in-law were freaked out. Like, yeah, this is not down? a venue. Yeah. Yeah. So we did. But I was like, okay, well, at least it's working. That's you know? really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, ex- explain a bit just how the business works. How the business works, and sure. It sounds like it was pretty solidified from the beginning or did it has it evolved since? Yeah, I think we always wondered how much revenue would come from national versus local. So we make money in four ways. Local advertising, national advertising, distribution, and shopping. So we have worked with national advertisers like Bonobos or the Jamaica Tourist Board. And we work with them to create these custom campaigns based around the fact that we know all the videos where the groom wore Bonobos. Or we know all the videos that took place in Jamaica. And these campaigns include one of our editors going to a resort in Jamaica and doing an Instagram takeover and turning that into a blog post, which we then promote. We promote all the Jamaica videos on Facebook and Instagram using, you know, sort of the language and story that they want told we do a big sweepstakes for them to collect emails like lots of things that are super innovative and some things that sound sort of -of run-of-the-mill except for the fact that you have to remember that we don't have to produce any original content because we already have it and the filmmakers love it because if they shot a video in Jamaica they want the video they shot in Jamaica getting to more people who want to get married in Jamaica so it's like a win-win-win which I think is super unique and we're very strict and feel very strongly that you know the filmmaker not just that they're always credited, but they're always tagged. And we always link back to a place where you could hire that videographer. I mean, that's like really key. And that's good for the videographer and for Jamaica and for Bonobos. So that's an example of national advertising. And we can do pre-roll and we can do display and we can use the real videos that feature you to get in front of more people on social, on our site. And then we do local advertising, which is a partner program we call the Love Club. And that's where the vendors who are tagged in the videos, and actually more and more recently, vendors who actually aren't tagged in any Mm. videos yet, they just love our offering, pay us a monthly subscription to have the videos that feature them reach more people on our site through being at the top of search or getting featured on the homepage and reach more people on social media because we do dedicated posts about those weddings that feature them. And then their channel pages on our site have enhanced functionality links back to their own website and their social and a bigger description and da 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 and we just give them like lots of great marketing you know and we leverage paid social which I think in a pretty savvy way and so that's you know what we call local advertising and then distribution so we have distribution partnerships most notably with Amazon Prime so we stitch wedding videos together thematically and you can watch them like reality tv on Amazon Prime and we get paid for that and the filmmakers love it because it's like an insane amount of visibility for them and like I say we 
are just really clear. Like after every wedding video, it's like this wedding video is by Anchor Films and you could Google Anchor Films and find them pretty immediately and all the other vendors and then shopping. So we have little like shopping windows, sort of like how hows you can like tap a photo. Mm-hmm. So under the videos, if it's like a Pronovius dress or Allure Bridles and Beholden, like actual product images of those dresses and you tap them and you click through and, you know, we have affiliate relationships. Mm-hmm. And so really the mission is to help the user find the products and services that they need and to help the filmmakers and the other vendors tagged book more business. So I guess at the end of 2016, kind of where is the business? National advertising was always the thing. We were like, we know that local vendors and filmmakers are going to be into this. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of templates for it. I mean, we do it really, really differently than the Knot and Wedding Wire, but like whatever, they're doing it. We know people want to pay for that. And we knew affiliate, you know, would work. And distribution and national advertising were the two things we really wanted to test out before we went to like a bigger fundraise. And so we did those two big tests with Bonobos and Jamaica Shortsburg, and we've done more since then. But those were like the ones we were sort of like, okay, these bigger companies, this resonates with them and and helps them achieve their goals. And then the first two distribution partnerships we did were with David's Bridal and Bridal Guide Magazine to sort of test that out. And so that's sort of what we were doing at the end of 2016. And then when we felt good about those tests, we went and did a fundraise, hired a few more people, made some big website upgrades, and have just been executing really since then yeah yeah what's the difference between i guess the local versus national piece from what the customers kind of want what they want so forth yeah so it's been really interesting i mean with local they just really did it really fast they're like wow this video really shows off my work and you know they're like i can have a storefront on wedding wire the knot and like probably people will discover me there because they're so big and a lot of times if people google wedding venue in nashville they will end up on wedding wires nashville section and they might just find me but the storefronts there are sort of out of date at this point i mean listen these two companies like have done amazing things like i'm not trying to disparage them at all like we want to be as successful as them but it's just you benefit when you launch later mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know and so we're just offering them different they get guaranteed social media we sort of like really talk to them about their needs and like can tell their stories like on social and and the videos just like show off their work in this way that just like photos and text reviews just don't Mm -hmm. and people just get the power of video people are more likely to purchase something if they see it in a video and everyone knows that now because they've done it you Mm -hmm. know so people just get it i think for national what's really interesting in the wedding space is we're always trying to think of like what are the brands that solve the biggest problems for our users and we want to sort of start there and branch out and so wedding dresses is a really obvious place to start so you don't buy your wedding dress online a lot of times you're actually like booking an appointment so what we realized is like we had to sort of bridge this gap between like seeing the wedding dress in a real wedding video because that dress might not be for sale today but probably a designer their styles don't change so that much so if you love like a beholden dress last year like you're gonna like a beholden dress this year so that was part of the impetus to get the shopping modules like up more quickly for the dress designers and again when you talk about vertical when you're on mobile like display ads can't show a wedding dress you have to like build something organic for wedding dresses and what some of the bigger players in the space do is they have these like really old school like galleries where you can like look at product images of wedding dresses and it's all like 20 year old models Mm -hmm. which is just like so not reflective of like humans and wedding dresses so we think by pairing like real brides and real weddings with the product images it's just a better experience a better shopping experience right i didn't even think of until now but the idea of you mentioned before that these are kind of like the best possible commercials but 
you see all the other discussion of using non 18 year old white skinny models and oh stuff God, it, it's you, so important for us but you cut out all of the fake production basically yeah it's always coming down to this problem that brands want one thing and consumers want another thing and like part of the reason I like doing podcasts like this and that Juliet and I have our podcast is like I want to train brands to think like they're consumers and not think like how they've always thought because it doesn't connect I mean people want real People want real if anyone takes away anything from what I say. So that's why people want to watch real wedding videos. But the brands want you to see the dress you can buy today. So it's like how do we bridge that gap? So it's like, okay, I'm much more comfortable putting product images of 20-year-old models that I don't necessarily think they should be using because it's next to like a real woman. And that's actually something that another benefit of just launching in 2018. I mean, we have weddings from over 60 countries from all over the world, every color, every gender, every budget, every religion that's not just important to me but like important to our users and this is not Rachel's favorite weddings it's not Martha Stewart weddings this is like all the weddings and then the ones that we curate for our homepage and for our blog section and for our social like one of the filters we think about is like diversity and not just ethnic diversity but budget diversity and religious diversity and location diversity and all that size you know yeah absolutely from the actual, I guess, wedding process, what does that look like local versus national in terms of mm-hmm. is it like someone in New York goes, I want to go to Michigan or like yeah. how did vendor selection kind of work maybe before this and has this at all changed how that works? The wedding expo experience is something that's like very, very broken and we've always done a lot of events and are, are going to be uh, disrupting that really soon. But people find vendors from Google or from word of mouth. And that's the other thing that we think we're really solving for is someone tells you, hey, Richie, like you should check out this venue. The best way to check it out is to watch a wedding video of it because going to it empty doesn't really tell you much, you know, or you picked your venue, but then you need to pick a florist and then you can watch the videos on Love's Race TV of all the real weddings there and see all the flowers like you need all those layers. You need someone to refer you to someone, but then you need to see it in action. And the best way to see it in action, it's like we sometimes joke like you can crash real weddings from your couch, you know, <laughs> is to watch it in a video. And then there's the Google piece where it's like you don't know anyone to ask. So you got to Google it. And then you land on Wedding Wire or The Knot or Love Stories TV. And we just think the information we're providing you, I think written reviews have like diminishing returns at some point. You know, it's like you want a few reviews, but like... Just show me the thing and I'll decide. Show me the thing and I'll decide. And like, you're going to go meet them in person anyway, you know? So I think that's where video helps solve for that because people don't get married where they live, you know? So to answer your question, like there's a few different things. So one thing is like, you want to get married in Mexico and you're going to go there once to check out the venue and then once more to plan the wedding. So we just started working with this venue called Martoka Beach Garden. It's this like beautiful destination wedding venue in Riviera Maya. And we have like tons of wedding videos from there. So it's like you go online and you search like what are all the wedding venues in Riviera Maya and like how many are you really going to go to, you know? And it's like you can watch all these videos and be like, well, I want my wedding to look like that. So I'm going to go see visit that guy and that guy. I mean, we already like saved you like a ton of trouble. And by tagging all the vendors, you could reach out to this wedding planner and be like, hey, I see you worked on a wedding at Riviera Maya. Like, do you recommend it? Like, are you available to meet with me? So it's the video, but it's also just having all the data there and data at scale. So there's lots of wedding blogs. There's like a blog for rustic weddings and a blog for like rock and roll weddings and a blog for like Martha Stewart weddings. But like, what does that even mean? Like, you just want to see all the weddings. I think 
pairing scale with curation is like how companies like ours win. We don't select which weddings get published. They all get published. But then by tagging them and by pulling out our favorites, we're giving you some level of curation so it's not overwhelming. So national is really interesting. Like I was surprised when I started because I was at Birchbox and we had partnered with Bonobos and we had partnered with Rent the Runway and we had partnered with Glam Squad. I was actually surprised that more people weren't using these national vendors. And so that's something we think about a lot is like how can we help our partners crack into this crazy wedding ecosystem and get in front of brides at the right moment. I mean, the other thing that I have to remember, so we have all this data when it comes to shopping. So I know we have thousands of wedding films on Love Story TV. We know what shoes everyone wore. We know where everyone registered. Bagley Mishka is the most popular wedding shoe. Hmm. Full stop. We didn't have to survey people to get that. We just have that data because people tell us. Those shoes are sold on Amazon and at Macy's. And they're the most popular wedding shoe because they have a price point for like most people and they come in like all different colors and all different styles and like Bagley Mishka is like a pretty old school like brand but it's like they're selling at Amazon that's why they're one of the most popular Mm -hmm. shoes you know and then you go down the list it's all things that are sold on Amazon Kate Spade Betsy Johnson these are all Macy's Amazon brands so it's like you have to be available to people where they go today for information and so we think that like some brands are doing a really good job with that and some brands like you know could be doing better and yeah. we want to help them what part of the journey i guess do people come to you is it right when they're going to plan the wedding or is it you Great said question. when they're three years out or not even close or yeah. so forth so that's a big differentiator for us is like particularly when i was going through the fundraising process we have an amazing group of investors and it went really well in the end but people are like well it's a really short cycle mm-hmm. and right, that's why seasonal. people this season that's why people love zola because zola is monetizing not just the couple so but that's what's really different about our business right so it's like we have 18 to 24 year olds who are watching wedding videos on love stories to be long before they ever have an engagement ring on and then we do capture people like all through the funnel so you just got engaged and you just like are sort of thinking like what you might want to do for your wedding. You just like watch videos on Love Story TV and you're like, okay, I just watched like 20 videos and like it actually feels like a ballroom isn't really for me, you know? Okay, so that's one thing. Or the second thing is like, okay, I just got engaged and I know I want to get married in Charlevoix, Michigan and I want to research all the wedding venues in Charlevoix, Michigan. So I come to Love Story TV and I can watch videos of all those venues and decide which ones I even want to visit. Okay. Or I already booked a venue because my sister got married there and I know I really like it, but she got married there five years ago and I want to know which vendors are working with the venue. And the venue sent me their like preferred vendor list, but like who else has worked there? And so you go watch the videos on Love Story TV and you can see all the vendors who have like worked at that venue. So like no matter where you are in your funnel, we can sort of like help you. And we also like get inquiries from like mother of the bride and groom who are like, you know, in my case, my mom could have said, like, Rachel's wrong. We want a videographer. And, like, where would she have gone? So, like, we see that a lot. Also, people use our site to get ideas for speeches and vows. So one of our most recent customers in the Love Club is the Speech Tank. And they help people hmm. write speeches for their wedding. And so my brother is 31 and he's single. And his friends consistently all tell me that they use the website to get ideas for speeches for the, each other's weddings, you know. So it's sort of like we're, it's not just for the bride and groom and wedding filmmakers use our site to watch other people's videos and get mm-hmm. ideas and vendors like come to like research other vendors they might work with. So it's like the bride and the groom and their family and their friends, you know, long before the wedding and long after. So I'm 34 and like my friends always tell me they watch Love Stories to be in the middle of the night when they're breastfeeding. Because you can watch it without the sound on. And mm-hmm. it's like relaxing like content. So like we have a chunk of our audience that has been married for many years. Yeah. And it's just great content. 
what's i guess like the most interesting or surprising vendor that has like seen success in terms of like you oh. never thought they would make sense for it well i wouldn't say i never thought they would make sense but one of my favorite things to do is read through all the inquiries because it's like that's like the liquidity of the business right like that's like the health is like how many vendors and filmmakers are getting business inquiries mm. and you they know? get them through you so if you are a wedding filmmaker on our site, your channel has a email contact button. You can also have a link directly to your website and to your social. Like, And vendors only get that stuff if they pay. Mm-hmm. So you're listed. You're credited. Someone could go Google you. Like right. we're not trying to like, like disadvantage you, yeah, but yeah. like we have to make money somehow, you know. Yep. So we just started working with this Love Club member, this customer called Happily Hashtagged. And when she came to us, we didn't have any videos that featured her work. And she was like, well, I know this one bride has a video. I'm going to ask her to submit it. But I want to work with you guys because I just like your marketing approach. And I think you're going to create good content on my behalf. And like I can afford this and I want to get my business off the ground. Just this morning I saw that like she got an inquiry. And so that's pretty cool. Like the hashtag's not in the video anywhere. But what happens is. Wait, what's her business? She writes hashtag, custom hashtags for weddings. And so she was like, I think you guys will do a really good job marketing my business. So we had one video on our site of the couple that used her. The hashtag's not in the video anywhere, but we put that video on Instagram. We put that video on Facebook. In the caption, we tell the story like, look at this couple. Look how sweet they are. Look how beautiful their wedding is. They hired Happily Ever Hashtag. We posted it and we're promoting that. And so she's getting traffic back to her channel on our site that has all the information about her. And this morning, I just saw that she got an inquiry. Someone wants to hire her for their wedding. And so that's what I think is really interesting. And registries is really like this too. If I'm watching a wedding video and I think that this couple has great taste and they're amazing, I want to know where did they go on their honeymoon? Where did they register? Where did they have the rehearsal dinner? What did she wear to her rehearsal dinner? Because I think her taste is great. Who wrote her hashtag for her even though I can't see it in the video? And that's something I think that the really savvy marketers really understand. I have a wedding planning friend who told me really early on in my journey that after she plans people's weddings, they often hire her to decorate their apartment because they trust her and they know she knows their taste. Mm. And so taste is like transferable, which is I think this thing that people who get it really get. So it's like, I love everything about your wedding. I also want to know like, where did you get your couch? Because I bet you I'm going to like your couch. And that's real, you know? And that's why people love social media influencers. That's why you start following a social media influencer when she's 25 and she has great fashion and you keep following her all along the way when she starts having kids and buying stuff for her kids because you like her taste and her like worldview otherwise you wouldn't be following her and taking her shopping recommendations you know i'm curious to talk a bit about the interplay between the platform itself and then existing on social yeah it's a little interesting because it would it seems almost like like facebook doesn't advertise on twitter it's just like facebook yeah yeah, you go there yeah but it sounds like you you have presence on both yeah we do we do yeah was that counterintuitive to begin with or how did that come about and how does it work no so one thing that i feel really strongly about not to like give away all my secrets but i think that people still in 2018 have this weird thing about paid social and that it's like bad which is so backwards If you think about the salary you would pay like a junior social media person to just create more and more content and you think about how you could use that money in a really smart way to get the great content you're creating in front of more of the right audience on the social platforms, like that's a better way to spend your money. That's an arbitrage rate that can like work for businesses. So we create a lot of content. We put a little bit of paid behind all that content. We see what's performing and like, you know, that's sort of how we think about it. But so no, because we can target in a really different way on those channels so it's like if you're happily ever hashtagged you can work for people all over the country but like Stacy Ford who's a makeup artist she'll work anywhere but she primarily works in New York and LA so we put content about her on social and then we want 
people in New York and LA to really see it. And so we can target people in New York and LA who have already come to Love Stories TV or whose, you know, email we already have or who follow our competitors and like, and then they have to come back to our channel to learn more, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you think about the wedding videos, we'll put a clip on Facebook and then we'll say like, come back to Love Stories TV to learn more about this filmmaker or see all the vendors who worked on this wedding or to like watch the full version. Yeah, so, so you're teasing basically. Yeah, but sometimes we'll put the whole wedding video up there. Sometimes we'll do a link. Like, you know, it's really a combination. And it's because we think that if you liked watching that wedding video on Facebook, you will like our site and you will like the value we provide. So we're not trying to like trick you to get you back there. We just like think you're going to like it. Yep. And it's reflected in our cost per click. Obviously people do, you know. All right, so I guess if we bring the business up to 2018, yeah. throughout kind of 2017 and the last yeah. half year, priorities, yeah. it's not like kind of post-second fundraise. So now, you know, our priorities are really like launching and scaling the Love Club, which is our local business, because one, that's how we make money, but also like the more local vendors that are involved in what we're doing, like the more videos we get, like the better our community is, you know, and like community is so key. So it's like, I think I actually mentioned them, like Martoka Beach garden mm -hmm. um joined recently so we do a little bit of original content we have two podcasts that we do we do a series called love stories tv and chill where we watch wedding videos and give live commentary sometimes myself and my colleagues and sometimes like someone who worked on that wedding and we shoot a lot of our videos at the plaza we have like a great partnership with them and um we emailed martoka beach garden and we were like hey like we're gonna feature you in our next episode of love stories tv and chill at the plaza like is there a wedding video you prefer we use and he was like oh my God, we have to get more videos. And he emailed like every bride he'd ever worked with. And suddenly we had like many more videos like from him. So it's like the ecosystem like builds. So like scaling up the love club, both to scale up revenue so we can keep running this business, but also like to grow the community is like a big focus. But also, you know, the biggest focus always is just, are the filmmakers happy? Are they booking more weddings? Do they feel that we're helping their entire industry charge more money? We've been doing this for two years and like the bigger incumbents in the space like feature more video now. Like we've like changed, you know, the way people think about it. And that's important to us. And so that's always the North Star. But yeah, it's scaling local advertising, working on our distribution partnership with Amazon. And then I think just continuing to hear from our national advertisers what they want. Like these wedding dress shopping product that we launched, you know, like that's sort of like um, a longer tail thing. It's just like video's new for a lot of them, you know. So just like working with them on these partnerships to make our product like good for them and good for the user. Has there been any interesting, I guess, learning on going back to the idea of like the commercial verse, yeah. these videos, like they have kind of no control yeah. over how their stuff's represented. Yeah. Are they mostly fine with that because the results are better or like how do they deal with that? So one of our first big partnerships was with David's Bridal and they're so smart. You know, they were like, okay, like because you have so many videos that feature David's Bridal, like this isn't a problem. They were like, but honestly, even if there were some amazing videos that like the dress wasn't David's Bridal, like we would still want them on our site because we think that these videos like show off the best part of weddings and like even if it's a David's Riles dress that you can't buy anymore, if you love this wedding video and you love their vows and you love the way the groom looks at the bride when he walks down the aisle and she's wearing David's Bridal, you think of David's Bridal's brand in mm -hmm. like a really different way. And so I've just been really impressed with like how savvy the marketers are at these companies. I mean, I think if you work in weddings, like you get it and you care. It's just like a bunch of really nice people working on like a really nice like part of life. And like um, I feel really lucky to <laughs> be working on weddings. It's very pleasant. What's the cheapest, the most expensive lesson you've learned building the company? The most expensive lesson we learned, I think with the product itself. 
I think that you are guessing what people want and you build based off those guesses. And I think it's really different being a technical or non-technical founder. It's something I think about all the time. You know, it's like you have this vision and this idea and other people are going to execute it for you. You know, for us, just like getting the digital product right, which we're still doing, but I think it probably took us longer than if I was a technical founder who was building my own website Mm -hmm. or my own app. I guess I don't really know what the learning is. I mean, you can't help it if you're an engineer or you're not, but the most important thing I think you can do is really, really find a great product person or like great product help to help you like really think through that stuff before you start building. Because I feel like we could have done some things faster, which Mm -hmm. time is money, right? So that's expensive. And then I think the least expensive is just to hire fast. We recently just added two new saleswomen and that felt like a little bit big and scary was to like hire two saleswomen like at one time. And it's not just that they've come on and have done an amazing job with sales, but we've learned like so much from them because they both came from like the wedding industry and they like crafted like what we were selling like with us from scratch. And I was like, can we afford two more people? And they've like paid for themselves like eight times over. And so I think just like hiring fast and then I guess you have to fire fast if it doesn't work out in our case it really has but I think not being afraid to hire people that you need is scary but either pays off or then you just be brave enough to say it's not working out what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about the company from the outside men ask me all the time why do people want to watch other people's weddings and why do people want to share their weddings and no woman has ever asked me that and our users are 95% women People want to watch them because the same reason they want to watch reality TV or follow their favorite influencers on YouTube or Instagram or watch the Kardashians. Like people like real people, real stories, but they like those real stories to be aspirational. And that just like is so clear to me and like I think so clear to most of the women who look at the business. And then why do people want to share them? It's like why has every woman ever submitted her wedding to be published in the New York Times? Right. That part of it's not new. Those parts aren't new. It's just video. I don't mean to sound like rude or disrespectful or like I'm making fun of anyone, but it's just really fascinating because it's like if you're building a tech company in New York, most of the people you're going to meet are men, but our users are all women. I mean, it would be great if they're not all women. Like we have all different kinds of weddings. I hope that changes in the wedding space. We try to not use the word bride. It could be a bride or a groom, but the reality is, like, the analytics tell us it's, like, all women. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking. Oh, my God. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Loose Threads podcast. You can read full transcripts of the podcast and join the newsletter at loosethreads.com. Feel free to also leave a review on iTunes. We always appreciate it. And thanks to George Drake Jr. for editing this episode. We have a great roster of upcoming guests, including Ellie Burrows of Mindful, Eunice Bayoun of Material, and Sam Alston of Big Lives. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.